Welcome in. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. And that's right. You can join us Friday, one o'clock at the Holy Grail. We will be watching the Bearcats in their quarterfinal action in the AAC tournament. Skip out on work. Take a little late lunch. Come down. Watch the game. Get a bucket of beer. Nobody will know the difference. It's a Friday. And, you know, work should probably be canceled anyway. Everything else is being canceled. Nobody's, yeah. allowed, nobody's allowed to be out in public. So, what better place to be than the Holy Grail? Alcohol should solve the problem, right, Dave? I mean, it always has every other time. <laughs> <laughs> not to take it lightly. We're not taking a, an epidemic lightly. But, only a pandemic so only, far, Chad. Yeah, I'm sorry pandemic my apologies i'm chad brendel he's dave simone like i said this is the bcj podcast here on bearcatjournal.com and uh well dave the aac tournament it, it hasn't been made official by the aac uh as of yet or at least i haven't seen it be made official by the AAC. No, no, there it is not one minute ago. Oh. No, the ACC, <laughs> sorry. The ACC just made it official. Um, but it is expected that the AAC will uh, will join pretty much everyone else uh, as their conference tournaments will be closed to the public. And the NCAA tournament will now be closed to the, the general public. Uh, I believe there will be, be a small number of family, immediate family allowed, and uh, essential athletic department personnel. No word on the media yet. We, we don't know if we're going to be allowed to go or not. Uh, I am guessing websites get whacked, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. No shot. But do you think I could be considered a Trey Scott family member because I have socks with his face on them? Uh, I think he would have to put you on a list from my understanding of how this is going to work. <laughs> Um, and my guess is his parents are going to be ahead of you on the list. Probably, rightfully so, but maybe I could slide in there, you know, somewhere. I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, I, the, the socks, I'm sure he has a, a very deep appreciation for that. You have Trey Scott socks. Uh, but my guess is that's probably not going to be allowed. Look, I, I, I don't want to no. get on here and, and pretend like I know anything about anything. Um, Everyone seems to think these are, this is the right move to make. I I don't know, but I, I will err on the side of I'm just a guy with a website, and um, they're doing the right thing, I suppose. I, I, I truly don't really have an opinion on it because I'm not smart enough to know what actually needs to be done. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. I... I, you know, I kind of figured this was coming eventually. Yeah. Um, I am of the belief and I'm hoping to be absolutely wrong. I do not think they're going to have the tournament. Uh, I just, the liability, the <clears throat> chance you're flying athletes. To well, they're flying cities. private. 
you still have interaction and charter. Yeah. And, but I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. It just seems like it's, it's still very much an undecided thing. I mean, I'll definitely agree with that. Very much an undecided thing. It's just a lot. I mean, it's the NCAA after all. And it's a lot of money to, to not have the tournament, I would assume. Sure. I, oh, I agree. I just Shutting like, fans I mean, out is one thing. That's not where the money comes from. No, no, of course not. I mean, you don't have the tournament. You're losing. It's the, it's the television and the sponsorships that help pay for, that are aired during the television, that help pay for, you know, all these other things. But, like, you know, I'm not... I don't think either of us want to turn this podcast into that type of a podcast. I just, it's unfortunate, but I think in today's society, right or wrong, that this was what was going to eventually happen. Yeah. Um, since I, I mean, I, I just, I don't want to pretend I know what's going on. So here's an interesting question that's been raised to me a couple different times. What impact does this have on the games? I think it has a huge impact. I think your veteran teams is benefits. And I was thinking about this earlier. It's kind of like when you hear of college football teams that maybe grow the grass a little bit longer to make the faster players slower, but then doesn't it always make, doesn't it make the slower players slower too? So with no fans shooting in some of these arenas with virtually no backdrop, I can't imagine we're going to see very clean games from a shooting standpoint and you're, good shooting teams are probably going to shoot worse and your bad shooting teams are going to shoot real bad. Yeah. So there might be some money to be made taking some unders if they don't move. Like they've taught, they're talking about moving the final four out of Mercedes Benz because it would just be absurd to have two get three games with no fans in a 78,000 seat yeah, stadium. That is, that's correct. So, but I, I was thinking this was before they this came out that, that was a possibility. I was thinking, man, can you imagine with no backdrop and the walls being hundreds of feet behind from the baskets? How bad the shooting is going to be? Yeah. Um. Generally, not a problem in those first round games. No, but those are still in. Yeah, they're, they're in. They're in bigger. They're in bigger gyms than anybody outside of Syracuse plays in all year. Yeah. You know, like when we, you know, Nashville, Louisville, Cleveland, where the Cavs play. I mean, all these places are either have hockey or NBA, and it's. I think it's still going to be a problem. Not not as much than if you're playing at Lucas Oil. And yeah, I mean it's it's pretty and, similar to the backdrops that they've been used to. Yeah, that was similar, the first thing I thought of from a basketball standpoint was just like, man, the shooting's going to be terrible. Yeah, and there's no, there's going to be no energy. There's going to be no, you know, it, it, it. What it'll really hurt? It'll really hurt like a Kentucky. Oh, for who sure. Is, who is notorious for dominating 
wherever they play. Oh, yeah. And they will lose all of that. So, I mean, that's... Unders, unders are a... Uh, especially early as teams are not used to it. Like, I, I'm, I'll am i be at Belterra tomorrow at the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, doing a show with Mo and, and Boring. And um, unders sound like maybe the play tomorrow night. I would at least start that way just to see how, I mean, especially like in UC's conference where it is, very much a defensive-oriented conference. Yeah. Very I true. I see a whole lot of games getting into the – both teams getting into the 70s. Or it just ends up like pickup games where the defensive intensity is low and teams are just flying up and down the floor. Yeah, I, I don't know. I still think you're going to end up missing more shots than you're going to have a bunch of runouts and easy baskets. True. But, I mean, but really, I mean, we don't have any idea because this is... It's never no, I mean, I don't know who it necessarily benefits because it will literally be everyone's first experience in something like this. I mean, it's going to be a situation where, like, this tournament we're going to look except, back on for, like, 100 years. Except, and, except ECU. Carolina. Yeah. ECU, should, uh, Tulane. Yeah, they might be the you know the 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 ECU and Tulane might be the dark horses in this thing because playing in front of no fans is just what they do. Um, it's wild. I mean that that is that that is the one thing that, that that's for certain is it's unprecedented, and there's never been anything like it, and it's going to be very interesting and. The other thing is, ratings are going to be through the roof. Oh, because I mean, they're always great, but now, now people will turn in to see what the whole thing is all about. Well, that and everybody's going to be staying at home. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you have all the people that would normally be at the game that are staying. No, at but home, I mean, just in general, the whole country is going to be staying home. Yeah. This has got everybody freaked out. So people are just going to be home. <laughs> And if you're home all day and there's games on from noon to midnight, you're probably just going to be watching games. Would be my guess. Yeah, more than likely. I it is it's put such a weird spin on like the 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 hype train surrounding this week. Well, that's the thing that too like I mean, the selection show is in just four. over three days. Yeah, there are obviously the first four games, but the first round four days, first real games start a week from tomorrow, and no one's going to be talking about the games. No, they're just going to start, and we're going to be like, "Oh shit!" There's Sorry, actually Dan. tournament games now. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm interested to see what, and today is kind of the the, the official start of like you know the the major conference tournaments and all that. Tomorrow is when it really like kicks in, and I'm interested to see how much 
the talk is about the actual basketball and how much is about everybody playing in empty arenas. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it's it's a it, it's definitely wild times, but the goal for Cincinnati remains the same. Got to win, got to win a couple games. Um, before we get to that, yeah. there are. Uh, Trey Scott and, and Jaron Cumberland named first team all AAC. Uh, Keith Williams left off of the list. Any any major issue with that? Other than the fact that there's just not 15 better players in the conference than him? Yes, other than that. Other than the obvious. Then no. I mean, I, mean, I don't think, what, I mean, what else do you need to say? Like, if you're having a, a draft, and there's three teams. You're telling me that no one's drafting Keith Williams? Right. So, I mean, I, I whatever. Now, good to, good to see Jaron make the first team. I, I wasn't sure if that, I mean, I figured it would happen, but I wasn't sure. Um, he still ripped a lot of hearts out, especially in the middle of conference play when he looked like he was finally healthy for what two to three weeks uh but trey scott phenomenal to see him on the first team and then today trey was named defensive player of the year um most improved player and then the most obvious award since gary clark was given the same award the sportsmanship award uh was given to trey scott i think there's the, the this is the sixth year of the league i believe fifth or sixth cincinnati's won that award four times no, I don't like it. You don't like it? No. Why not? I, I, I'm anti-sportsmanship. You're anti-recognizing someone for being a good human? No, no. He's a, <laughs> I, want to, I want to be known as, like, terrible. Like, these guys, we hate these guys. <laughs> I know, he's great. I love it. I, I just like the villain. I mean, okay, but, like... You can be the villain like on the court and still be like a good guy. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. You want to you want a bunch of JP McCuras on your team? No, no, I I don't I don't need any of that's that. That's what any you described. You want a guy that everybody hates? That's JP McCura. Huh, like a JJ Redick. I'd rather look at it that way. I prefer <laughs> Trey Scott and Gary Clark personally. I, I think those guys are uh, very good for your university. Now, I think there might be a couple guys coming in that are going to ruffle some feathers that that seem to like playing uh, the irritant role from time to time. So yeah. you might get a little bit of a shift in that direction. But for the most part, I think people are going to disagree with you, though. I think people have uh, – you have enjoyed, you have Trey on your socks. Yes. But you I'm, saying all of this, I'm saying all of this tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I, I'm, can I not tongue-in-cheek you back? Yes. Yeah. I think we just got our first NBA game canceled tonight. Really? Yeah. Thunder. I, I'm a Thunder fan, so I'm trying to follow this a little bit on Twitter. But it looks like the game was about to start. 
and then the Thunder's medical, some medical staff person grabbed the officials, told them something. The players went back to the bench, and now they've gone to the locker room. Uh, All right. <laughs> I think they're, they think they're playing the Jazz. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the heck. Yeah, so this is happening. This is great radio happening in real time. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the hard part about doing stuff like this. Like, it, it's almost, and, and it's going to be released, like, late anyway. But you almost right. like, can't stop refreshing Twitter to see what's happening next. It's and, in the games, they're playing the Jazz, but it's in Oklahoma City. Um. Yeah, so that was I was just looking through Twitter to see if like the the AAC announced anything, and the guy that I follow that covers the Thunder started tweeting, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, they've been they've been asked to delay the game. It hasn't been officially called, but players were waving to fans as they walked. Back to the locker room. All righty. Um, but there are basically six individual awards in the American Conference. Trey Scott won three of them. And I think that's fitting. He didn't win player of the For year. Sure. Which, which crock of no what? I mean, it isn't, though. Precious, I mean, Precious Achua is the best player in the league. I guess I... He's the best player in the league. Was he the best player through the 18 games of the league schedule? I mean, he averaged more points and, and just a hair under the number of rebounds Trey Scott had. Okay. All right. I mean, it, he's the best player in the league. So I don't have a huge – I would have voted for, for Trey. But if we're being honest with ourselves, the most talented player, the best player in the league is, is precious to Right. And I think that's where you sometimes can get a differentiation between best player, most valuable, you know, stuff like that, where I'm looking at Trey and I'm trying, you know, we've said this for weeks, trying not to be, you see homers here, but like for the last month, basically he's willed them to several wins. And now looking back on it, they had to win every single one of those games. Yeah. And that's fair. And and so, you know, when you are in that type of a situation and then you have a player consistently do what he did for over a month, that's why I was, you know, beating the drum for him. Not, you know, and part of it is, of course, that he plays for my team. But... I'm not going to argue, you know, there's no argument that to be made for that Precious, you know, Trey was robbed or anybody was robbed, so to speak. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I just, I would have voted for him. I feel you. And I don't disagree. I just, I just, I, I, I'm not up in arms that Achua won it because I no, think he, no. he is the best player in the league. Um, But they did honor Trey in every other way humanly possible because... Oh, sure. He could not win the six-man award because he started every game. 
and he could not win the freshman of the year award because he's a fifth year senior. So they gave him every other award. <laughs> I think that's fair. Like, I think that makes up for it, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, for sure. The tournament itself, I mean, there's not, until we know who UC's playing, like, there's not a ton to talk about. I, I'd prefer probably another shot at UCF just because you know, like, guys would be pissed off about playing them again. Um, I don't know. I think I'd rather play USF. Why? Because they don't have Colin Smith? Yeah. I just don't think they can handle UC inside, and I don't think a 27% three-point shooter is going to start the game four for four again. And I don't think Jaron Cumberland's going to miss the game again. Yeah, what I would worry about with USF is that in the back of their minds, they know they could turn it on and, and run past that team whenever. So maybe you don't have the energy right out of the jump that you would have against a UCF that you lost in double overtime to um, on your home floor. That's, But neither here nor there. I, I don't think it really matters which one you get the reality is either way you have to win the game right yeah i mean exactly would you prefer wichita state or yukon because it feels like if it's wichita state it's very easy for the committee to say the winner's in the loser's out right i think i would rather yes i agree with that um i would rather play yukon even though i think they're probably playing better yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Wichita State, last game of the year, played pretty darn good. Um, I think I would rather play UConn because they played Sunday. They're going to play tomorrow. And then they if they win... Yeah, it'd be three in three play, days. It'd be... I just... In these type of situations, and they're already a short, you know, they're a short roster, kind of like you see, maybe even in a worse spot. I mean, they're playing seven, maybe eight guys. Yeah, they've had some significant injuries. Um, but again, though, I, I don't know. I think it's it's a tough one just because, like, they're I think they're a better shooting team. Yeah, than, for sure. Then Wichita, so you get in those one-game situations if they make 12 threes, like they did whatever they made against us at well, UConn. And they probably have the hottest player in the league by far. Yeah, Vital's playing really well. Book Knights has played really well for an extended period of time. You obviously never know what you're going to get with Gilbert, but he's still an, you know, an athletic playmaking guy um their bigs are okay they block i mean they block a lot i think i think their bigs probably give vote problems from they'd an athletic different. and quickness, they, quickness they, standpoint they'd be different than the first two games though because a cook a cook is out right who is their their primary rim protector right yeah well wiley is playing a lot more he blocks a lot of shots too yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Zach or what's it, what Josh 
Carlton is is more of a you know in the same vein as as Chris. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I think you can make a case either way. But I think in, at this time of the year, with a short roster and playing your, what would be your third game since Sunday, with extended travel to Fort Worth and everything that goes into that, I think I think UConn is probably the the smart ask. But I mean, again. I don't. I don't know. I think it's pretty close. I mean, you're talking about the four seed versus the five seed, right? And, and a situation where you, you still, you probably have, you got to win the game. Think, I still think. Yeah, I still think. I. It feels like uh, you can. I think you pay you. You know, because of other podcasts and and just in general, you're probably closer to this than me. I, I don't. I try not to really look at much bracketology, but it seems like more people have kind of trended to them being in and not as much, but it's certainly a loss in the semi, you know, puts you in a real tough spot. You're just reliant on so, so much else to go your way where, where if you get to the finals, I think it would be hard Given all these other bubble teams that are going to play each other or lose because they're, you know, not good. I think if you get to the finals, it's going to be real hard for them not to be in. I'm with you. I think that's pretty much exactly where I'm at. Um, I think there's a chance that they only win one that they still make it, but I wouldn't feel super comfortable with that. No, I would. I mean, I would. I mean, obviously, we say this not knowing what everybody how else does. everybody else right. is going to do. Assuming it's not them lose and everybody else that's in the same situation loses games early in their tournaments or get upset. Right. I would be pretty surprised if they got in without getting to the finals. I wouldn't feel comfortable on Sunday if they if they win the first, lost the second. And if they lose Friday, that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Complete wrap. <laughs> we got a everybody got a weekend free of doing anything that they didn't expect to have. <laughs> exactly. Um Oh, we forgot to make fun of the AAC. Cuz they still haven't can't no. they they still haven't officially no. um said fans can't come. And I just love the fact that their solution was to put educational pamphlets throughout the arena. I mean, I'm tr- I'm running this through my head going, okay, you got supposedly smart people in a room going, okay, what are we going to do? Okay, as of now, we're going to allow fans. Okay, we're going to allow fans. What are we going to do to increase or decrease the likelihood or make, you know, that they catch coronavirus or that they don't catch however you want to look at. Okay. Well, let's get extra hand sanitizers. Okay. Great idea. Great idea. Good idea. Check. Right, check. Let's, That's it. That's it. Let's, let's make sure that all staff in the arena, whether it's security, whether it's concessions, let's make sure everybody's wearing gloves. Oh, okay. Great idea. Great idea. Check. 
right, Sounds how about good. let's put extra educational material in the concourses and places? Oh, yeah, great idea. Like, what? <laughs> Like, I, I'm just shocked nobody like, else what? thought of it. Nobody else yeah, was like, if we just—I mean, if we just put some like pamphlets out like that, we should be good, right? That yeah, was somebody's I mean, idea. That's what I'm saying. Like, someone—is it worse that it was someone's idea or that a group of people agreed? Agreed with? Oh, it that's great. That's great. Yeah. Took it Pamph- to the level of it like becoming a thing. With no pamphlets that we got to have pamphlets. Yeah, let's educate them. Jesus, that the level of stupidity and, and incompetence in this conference is almost I mean, impressive. I still kinda, it's almost impressive. I still kind of get a kick out of the the whole like wash your hands for twenty seconds is a real thing. Like if I wash them for fifteen, am I like five percent more likely to catch coronavirus? How about the new one today where you um you sing sing a verse of your favorite song and that when you're done. Then your hands are clean. <laughs> hands are clean. Okay. What? Well, well, I mean, hey. So uh, twenty seconds, and, right? And these like, are the these are the the highest of high medical professionals in our country, and the number one thing that they're telling us to do is to wash your hands for twenty seconds. I mean. It's like it's like GI Joe. The more you know, I would say actually though the problem there is Dave. There's a lot of disgusting people in this country that don't wash their hands. No, and maybe this is a maybe this is a by, maybe this becomes a byproduct of people being less disgusting, in, just in general. Yes. Like, but watch, what if watch. I wash my hands in cold water, but for forty seconds? Is mm. that different than hot water for 20? If, uh, you would have to do a second soaping, I would think. Okay. So I get to sing like a second verse <laughs> of my favorite, like the B-side? Yeah. Well, the second verse. Yeah. Maybe it's same as the first. <laughs> Henry VIII, I am, I am. Yeah, we, sh- we, we shouldn't be laughing at this. But I know. sometimes it's... When you, like, when you're on Twitter a lot like you and I both are and there's not any space between it's just the flu and everybody's going to die. Sometimes all you can do is read some stuff and laugh. I compared it to my favorite, one of my favorite songs today. So the, the AAC thing, which was, you know, big boys verse and a big boys line and uh, international players anthem. The AAC leadership. Should we keep the fans from the fan base, the arena? Big boy. Don't do it. Reconsider. Read some literature on the subject. AAC leadership. <laughs> That's it. Literature. We need literature. That's they were listening to International Players Anthem in the meeting. And Big Boy gave them the the inspiration. Just needed some literature around the arena. That'll solve it. Uh, so we have an update from Oklahoma City. Okay. Apparently, Rudy Gobert is ill, and officials have put the game in a delay. They are now waiting for confirmation from the NBA if they should play the game or not. I mean, that's ultimately that. Like, that's what that's what will cancel the tournament, right? If there's a, if, if there's that's, a if there's a player in the tournament that tests positive, that will cancel the tournament. 
correct? For sure. And I think that you could have, if like I, I've seen today that a student at Vanderbilt, now obviously they're not going to make the tournament, but the, but the tournament, the SEC tournament is in Nashville. Well, Vanderbilt has played teams in the past week or two. They'll play teams probably, they'll play Tennessee and then, or whoever, like they might play a tournament team in, in Nashville. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a student at Vanderbilt that is has tested positive. There, I believe, is a student at Michigan State that has tested positive. Like, that's the thing that, as this just continues to to build, what I mean, that's like you're gonna let these. This kind of goes back to another point I have is like with the whole Ivy League that it was okay. Okay, you had to cancel the conference tournament, but it was cool to send them to Yale to the NCAA tournament. Right. While at the same time, you had individual athletes like wrestlers competing in the NCAA tournament in Michigan or in Minnesota. Like, it's, just, it's hypocrisy all over the place. So, the, the arena is not safe for a bunch of fans, but we're going to put our student athletes in there knowing full well that someone working that they come in close contact with or another player or a coach or an official might have it because a large percentage of people apparently will have it but not have serious medical condition. Or it can be up to almost, what, three weeks before you have any symptoms. Right. Like you can look in, apparently you can look in someone's throat and tell that something's going on, but they might not feel anything even remotely close to the symptoms. Right. So that's why I just kind of kept thinking that like, this is going to end up getting canceled because what happens then if you find out that a player that played in say the sweet 16 was, you know, tested positive. So you have his teammates, you have the other teams that he played, you have teams that he played in the conference tournament, in the and first the NCAA and tournament, round. yeah. Right. You have all these people that have possibly come in contact with him who have now spread out all over the country. Right. And are now contacting other people. It's going to make for a fascinating week between now and the start of the tournament eight days from now, seven and a half days from oh, now. Oh, for sure. And I don't want I don't want any of this to happen. But like, if this is as serious as some say, some very smart people say, then just shut everything that you possibly can down. Yeah. Like, we're closing colleges, but high schools are still open. I can't go to a basketball game, but I can go to the mall. Like, is it okay if only a few people die? Like, that's, I feel like that's kind of what they're saying. Well, like, here's and, and here's. So I, I talked to someone who had decided yesterday that they they were not going to go to the AAC tournament. They they had had tickets. It's somebody that has probably been going to conference tournaments that UC has played in since before I was born. 
and they decided that they 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 weren't going to go this year. The reason why is that look, I'm I'm in good health. Like it, it it's and a person that's you know older, if they've been to every conference tournament since I was born, um, but their wife has respiratory issues. Sure. So, well, that person may be fine. You have to think about the person that you're leaving behind that you might come home and make sick. Like it's a, it's a, it's a complicated deal. It's a very complicated deal for a lot of different reasons. And you're right. We're almost to the point where like, if, if it's this bad, let everybody work from home and basically do what you can to quarantine the country for 14 days. Yeah. I mean, some of our listeners might not know, like I'm a huge, huge golf fan. While the NCAA is doing this, the golf world is acting like this isn't even a thing. They're having concerts before the tournament at the Players' Championship this weekend. There's no changes to the Players' Championship. They're talking about their huge TV deal that they announced this week. Tiger Woods is going into the Hall of Fame. Like, nothing's going on at Augusta in less than a month. Like, so, you have all of that going on on one side, and then you have college basketball doing one thing, and, you know, you're quarantining an entire city outside of New York, outside of New York City. So, it's like you're letting all of the states or these little individual entities decide how to do things on their own, which still just allows all this crap to kind of keep spreading. Right. And maybe it's too drastic to say right now, to say like, shut everything down. But like, what's worse? Me going to Dayton Arena to watch UC play if they're in the first four for two and a half hours or going to an airport and sitting in a layover for four hours and then getting on an airplane and flying from Cincinnati to L.A. Right. Or going to the spring game versus doing that. Yeah, I mean, the spring game thing, I I don't know. I guess I get it. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's a glorified practice. I get it. In the grand scheme of things, you know, whole... you know who's probably happy about this? The team, Luke. Luke Fickle, yeah. Yeah. Because he gets a practice back. The thing I didn't get, though, was like, what was the need to cancel it a month ahead of time? Like, it's not on TV. It's not going to have 100,000 people there. Like, if things kept spiraling or or Cincinnati became a hotbed for coronavirus, couldn't you just cancel it the week of? Right. Here you go. Oklahoma City police are closing down the Chesapeake Energy Arena after tonight's Oklahoma City Thunder game stops abruptly. (laughs) My whole team's going to have (laughs) COVID-19. Thanks to Rudy Gobert. Um... So we're three football practices in. Like, this is a hard podcast to do, Dave. It's a really hard kind of podcast I mean, to do. We're, when, when world news and real-life stuff intersects with our sports, we're not, not necessarily prepared for that. <laughs> I, I'm only prepared to talk sports. 
Like, it's why I'm not on 700 WLW more often. Um, <laughs> when I started to get into this this radio fill-in thing, um, they were like, so, you know, what type of shifts can you fill? And I was like, sports. <laughs> and they were like, so you can't do, like, a Tuesday afternoon on WLW? I was like, I, you guys, you guys, don't, guy. <laughs> you, you guys don't want that. Like... That is a terrible idea from your side of it, from your point of view. Um, <laughs> I, I I literally am only qualified to to talk and and deal with and work in sports, and that's part of one of the the most important things in life. Dave, know your scouting report. That's right. My scouting report. When people say stick to sports, I am like, you are exactly right. That is exactly what I should do. Stick to sports without question. Um, three practices in, you have not made it out yet. Um, I'm guessing once we return from spring break and we go to Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, you'll try to make it out for a Saturday yeah. practice here and there. Um, do you do you have any questions for me for yeah, three, um... three, three spring practices? Obviously, through three spring practices, we're not going one, to. One practice with shoulder pads. Today, had they had shoulder pads. So the first two, they're only allowed helmets and, and obviously shorts and, and jerseys. And then right. the next two practices, today and Friday, they're allowed shoulder pads. And then when they come back from spring break, they're allowed full pads. So that's where we're at. You know, just. General first, general observations. Like, what has caught your eye that's made you, you know, maybe take a second look or been like, hmm, that's interesting from the first three days? For James Hudson. Not James Hudson. I was talking to Jim Kelly today. We were talking about the bowl game and the bowl practices and then um, the three practices so far. It is incredible how different everything looks just by putting James Hudson on the field. It's not a jailbreak to the quarterback every two or three snaps. Daz and Ben, whichever one's back there behind that first unit, is is having some time in the pocket. When they run the ball, there are running lanes, um, defined running lanes that you can see. This is all being done against a very talented and experienced defensive line and they're getting pre- and I'm not this is not to say that the defensive line never gets pressure they are getting pressure at times what they're not doing is they're not getting constant pressure it doesn't look like a high school all-star game like we saw Evan Prater in where every play was just three guys free to the quarterback as soon as the ball was snapped and it just changes everything about the offense Dave it's so it's so different to watch than watching shuffle guys around and every third series there's a new rotation um like right now Jeremy Cooper is he's he's doing the 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 drill stuff he's not live um so Dylan O'Quinn is in that guard spot um Cooper's still rehabbing Colin Woodside still getting back to 100% um <clears throat> But like even 
you you can do like you can throw a guy like Dylan O'Quinn in there, and it's not gonna blow you away because the other four guys on the line are rock solid. And it just it changes everything. Like we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like when the team two years ago, when Dino as the day Dino Boyd showed up, all of a sudden everything fit. Because the most important you can thing you can have uh, outside of a quarterback, the most important thing an offensive an offense can have to me is a really really good to great left tackle. And it, right now, it, it looks like they. I mean, he. I wrote it in the in today's practice report. So, the play of the day today, and it's been a frustrating three days for Alec Pierce. He has got to be as annoyed and frustrated as humanly possible, because Ahmad Gardner lines up from him across from him pretty much every time he's on the field, and trying to get a pass completed on Ahmad Gardner, as everyone has seen, is very, very difficult. The metrics on Ahmad Gardner are what they are for a very, very good reason. That's because you just can't complete passes on him. So Pierce goes inside and then stops like he's going to run kind of a stick route and then takes off towards the corner and Ritter hits him for a 55-yard touchdown. And sprinting down the field right behind him the entire way, as soon as the ball was let out of Desmond Ritter's hands to a wide-open Alec Pierce, James Hudson started sprinting. Alex Pierce crosses the end zone. Hudson was maybe two seconds behind him celebrating. That's an offensive lineman running 55 yards to celebrate a passing touchdown with his wide receiver. That's leadership. That's a guy everybody is going to get in line with. Like, he's just a dude, and he makes everything so different for that offense. That would be number one. Um, I don't know. Number two... I do like what what we're seeing in terms of depth in the secondary. Um, I think Jaquan Shepard is at a point he could be a heavy contributor. Um, Arquan Bush is good enough to be a starting outside guy that they've got in the slot. Justin Harris made an awesome play today on a deep ball that it looked like he was toasted for a touchdown. And the throw was maybe a touch underthrown, but was pretty much on time. And Harris came flying out of nowhere to break it up. And then I, I love Brian Cook at safety. And you've got Hicks. And you've got Forrest. And Taj Ward is kind of playing there. He's playing some nickel. He's kind of been, been a swing guy for him right now. And, and that's not even putting Wiggins back in the mix. Which, it's unfortunately... Breaking news, Chad. Breaking news. Okay. Which won't be breaking when people listen to this. Statement from our fearless leader, Mike Oresco, announced this evening that the 2020 Air Force Reserve Men's Basketball Championship scheduled to begin Thursday, March 12th at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, will limit attendance to student-athletes, coaches, essential event, team, and conference staff 
ESPN personnel, credentialed media, and immediate family members of the 12 participating schools. He then goes on to say something about health being a priority, blah, 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 power sticks till we die. <laughs> power sticks till we die. That was an ad lib. Like in, in June. That was an ad lib, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, it was not. Actually, there. No, it's not. I know. Quit misleading the people, Dave. These are important times. So there it is. It's official. Fans will not be in attendance if they are not immediate family members. So I I will be interested to hear reports from Dallas on this, this scene. At Dickie's Arena. Um, what other questions you got on spring football? Uh, let's see. Offensive line was was definitely up there. Um, quarterback Ben Bryant, Des Ritter again. Only three practices, but uh, anything worth noting? I think they've both been really good. Um, Des looks healthy. Des looks much more comfortable behind a stable offensive line. Um, I, Ben has, has thrown some really nice balls, which you would expect. I thought Des was really sharp today. Um, it's the first time I would say Des probably had a, a slight edge over Ben on the day. I thought the first two days they were pretty even. Um, I, I thought Des was crisp today. Ben also had a and at towards the end. Ben had a couple really nice throws as well. Um, so they're both looking good so far. Nothing nothing the, the, to say one is, is, is significantly better than the other yet. You, you do also have to consider they're very limited at wide receiver right now, if we're being honest with each other. Yeah, sure. Um, I thought Garen Prater had a good day today. But if the, if the things were to start today... Wyatt Fisher would be a starting wide receiver. Now, great for my guy Wyatt Fisher. <laughs> Not so great for the outlook for Cincinnati's wide receiving core. Not so I, great for the 2020 Cincinnati Bearcats. Right. Um, I, Trent Cloud has been has been good. From what, I, from what I've heard, his his mental state is the best it's been since he's been here in terms of just locking in and being focused and working to get better every day. Uh, and I think you've seen that on the field. I think he's made some plays. And I do think he's actually got a lot of talent. I just don't I did, know that I'm, the commitment has always been there with him. Yeah. So, um, wide receiver is still a concern. And we knew that, though. Like, it wasn't like at any point I was going to say, hey, you know what? They're good at wide receiver. Forget these five, six guys that are about to hit the campus on, in the summer. They're set. I like what they got. No, if, if they liked what they got, they wouldn't be adding five or six guys to a room that generally has like 12 guys. Right. Um. Oh, and Leonard, Leonard Taylor is going to be a star. I'm confident in that. Like a guy, a, a guy that size, good speed, excellent hands, 
can block, can pass catch, can can do a lot of different things route wise. But I will also say Bruno LaBelle has had a good first three days. So the two of those guys, that can make for a pretty dangerous one-two duo at tight end when you've got two tight end looks on the field. Because you're not sure which one's going to stay in, which one's going to... Like last year, you kind of knew if Bruno and DeGuara were on the field, Bruno was going to block and Josiah would be... If somebody went out in a route, it would be Josiah. Right. I think with, with these two guys on the field, I think you can mix it up quite a bit. So... um I've been very encouraged. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be a little while. He's nowhere close yet, but I, I like what I've seen from Peyton Singletary. He's made some plays. Yeah. He, he looks like a baby deer. He's all arms and legs at this point. But he's he looks like a talented guy for that K position that runs routes and catches passes. and And as his body catches up, to his talent, I think he can be a threat long-term. That's good to hear because, I mean, I think out of the entire class, he might have been the guy that we, us, fans, kind of knew the least about. Yeah. So, I think it's good that he was able to get in uh, early and and get get working yes, and the returns have been promising. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be like a stud. No, but, but I, I mean, they're, he's a freshman, but I mean, we have no idea. Right. But what I'm saying is, <clears throat> I didn't know much about him. And from what I've seen, I like what I've seen. What else you got? Linebacker? Was that your next Linebacker. thing? Linebacker. Yeah. Um, haven't really been able to tell yet. Uh, Wilson Huber had a pick six yesterday, dropped back into coverage. Ben Bryant tried to hit a crossing route and Huber stepped in front of it, took it to the house. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, what's interesting is uh, with Jarrell White, Jarrell White's been sidelined. They hope that he's hopefully back and ready to go here. Once we get back from spring break is, I believe a pretty minor deal. Um, Ty Van Fossen has been the guy taking their one number one reps at sniper with Dorian Holloway behind him. Beavers looks a little bit more natural at that will linebacker position than he did at the, the sniper spot. Um, DeBlanco has been pretty good, but it, with only one day of, of shoulder pads and they really weren't hitting today. Right. Not a not a great read yet on the the linebacker deal. Um, probably going to be until we get not only back from spring break, but a couple practices in before we really start to get a good feel of of where we think they are with the linebackers. How have um, your interactions been with? The new coaches, what have you seen from them so far? You know, their style, the, how the players seem to be taking to their new position coaches, things like that. What I expected on the D-line, those guys absolutely love Greg Scruggs. Um, the, from talking to a couple of those guys, they would run through a wall for him. 
So that one has been as expected. Um, I think this is where it helps him having two years in that player development role. Yes, he was in the player development role, but everybody on that D-line knew that's a Super Bowl winning defensive lineman, right? So he had maybe a, a little bit of a different relationship with those guys to begin with. And because of his role as player development, they know he's in it for more than just what can I get out of you on the football field, right? They know he's a guy that's looking out for him on the field, off the field. Like there are, there, there are pretty deep ties there with that defensive line. And again, you're dealing with a very old group. You've got eight guys. I'm pretty sure all of them are juniors and seniors. The top eight guys. They are. Um, so they've had two years with him now, you know, and, and I've seen a lot of them when he was in the player development role, obviously he couldn't coach, but I would see after practices, those guys come over and talk to him about what he saw at practice or, you know, um, to get mentoring from a guy that knew the position and the game like he did. So, I really like what I've seen from Scruggs. Perry Eliano, I've had a couple conversations with him. Put a video up on Monday uh, for people to get to know him a little bit. Seems like a, a good energy guy. The guys seem to be responding to him pretty well. Um, I don't know. What, I mean, it's still so early in that relationship. The guy just got here, what, two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, but I... He he's he's fortunate that he in that he walks into not only a very talented but a very football savvy room. Like there's not a, a lot of what you would call, I guess, raw talent in that room. If if that makes sense. Right. There's Everybody there's younger guys, but they're they're not they're not guys that are still a long way from being productive. I guess that's a better way to put it. No, I know. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you've got, it's not like you're trying to develop a bunch of guys and bring a bunch of guys along and teach, teach guys tech, like really teach them technique. And you're, you're refining stuff with a lot of guys and you're always teaching, but I mean, you've got some, some pretty great, your templates already in place. Right. And, and, and I, I asked Luke about it on Saturday. And, and one of the things Luke said was one of the main reasons they liked him is because terminology wise, because he had already worked with Mickens, the terminology was very similar. So he's not coming in and, and, and speaking a different language, right? He's coming in and speaking the same language that, that those guys know. Um, so I think that'll be a pretty smooth one. Uh, I haven't really spoke to Enos yet. I'm kind of terrified of that guy. <laughs> like that is a that is a high strung dude, <laughs> for a better way to lack of a, a better way to put it. He, I mean, he was he was coaching relentlessly all day today. Play would get done, and running back would would be 15 yards down the field. Enos is meeting him on the sidelines 
from behind the play, running down the sidelines, meeting him 15 yards down the field, and then walking back with him and talking about the play the whole way. <laughs> like, that yeah. position group is going to get coached. He's got a lot of energy from, you know, in reserve. I mean, I it was a lot of energy. It was a lot of energy. Now, he also has the benefit of walking into a room that has a crap ton of talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan Montgomery with the with these extra reps, that kid's got a chance to be pretty good, and he's kind of like the afterthought in that room. And the more the ball goes in his hands, the more you're like, you know what? He's just as can be just as impactful as any of these guys on this roster. Uh, Jerome Ford today had one. Dave, poor poor Jaquan Shepard. So, I think it was Ben Bryant. Pretty sure it was Ben Bryant. He floats a like a swing pass out to Ford on the left side. And Shepard reads it pretty well. And he's coming up to make the play. And he's going to get there a half a second after Ford catches the ball. Ford catches the ball, plants his left foot, and gives him a little shimmy takes one step right and next thing you know Jaquan Shepard had a whole big armful of air and we're talking he didn't brush the jersey he didn't graze the leg just air and turf (laughs) and next thing you know Jerome Ford's 40 yards down the field and it was like oh that's why that guy got an offer from Alabama yeah I feel like that's going to happen hopefully several times when we're like, oh yeah, that's why Nick Saban took him. He's really talented. Really, really talented. He had one Saturday, and I I hate talking about the running game when there's not even at least shoulder pads on because neither of the linemen are really like going after each other at that point. Um, You can still still tell it was when we we got our first glimpses of Chuck. And yeah. he would make a make a move and be out the gate. It didn't matter if you were in pads or not. Like you could just tell, like that guy's got a different gear, and he's got a different. Uh, the thing with Ford is he's got a little bit of a different wiggle to him to get to that gear. Like he's made some people look bad already in the open field. So I think that, and the uh, I think that's. You know, Enos Enos is walking into a uh, a, another very good situation, and and that Dave, I guess that's maybe the overall takeaway. Like outside of wide receiver, and assuring that you continue to build depth on the offensive line, every other room feels like, man, I've never seen this roster like this before. And even though they're young at linebacker, like you're still cycling in guys that you think we talked about this last week or the week before, they've got a chance to be what the D line was last year. Or they're cycling in guys, you go, you know what? Guys got a lot of talent. Instead of boy, it's gonna be, you know, at least a year, maybe two before we get that position back up to speed. Did they ever get really cornerback up to speed when Mickens and D'Lo left? 
mean, there were a couple guys that were, you know, okay in those that run. But did it ever feel like cornerback was a strength after those two guys graduated until now? No, probably not. And the defensive line lost two guys to the NFL, didn't skip a beat last year, and all eight of those guys returned. I think linebacker has a chance to be that. And really, you're looking at, what, if there's nine position groups, however you want to classify it, wide receiver is really the only one on this roster that you go, they still got to get better there. Right. But when's the last time you can remember every other position group being loaded with talent and not just the two guys on the field or the three guys on the field, but the guys behind them and then some young guys behind them that you're keeping your eye on long-term. Because, I like, look, Dorian Holloway, perfect example. If Jarrell White's in, he's the starter at Sniper. Right now, Ty Van Fossen is behind him. Dorian Holloway is going to be very good. Third string. Stephen Hawthorne is going to be very good. They're playing him at end. They're playing him at linebacker. They're trying to figure out a way to get him on the field because he's third at the jack position, third at middle linebacker. Like, it's just amazing when you start looking at this roster, the difference. It really, especially seeing it on the field the past three days because they run the threes out there, and it used to be, and you know, you might have to chart the threes this year, Dave. No. Really? There's enough talent that it's worth looking at. The reason we didn't chart the threes, there wasn't really anything to watch when the threes took the field, right? That was why? That was usually the case. Now you're going to have a bunch of dudes on the threes that you're going to have to pay attention to. Maybe not chart it. You might have to note it. Like if something happens, you got to note it. You might not have to chart every play. But we're going to have to watch pretty closely when the threes are on the field now. And it's been, I don't really know that they've ever had that situation with the roster at where it is in 2020. So, No, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's really debatable because most programs, Everything's debatable. <laughs> yeah, most programs similar to them, you just can't recruit you can't sustain recruiting and at the same time have high level development right for extended seasons to build something like that you can get like one really good class and they all stick together and when they're juniors or seniors you know it's great but then you take this big dive because you just you lose assistant coaches or guys transfer, guys get hurt and their careers end and just a whole litany of different yeah. things can happen. So you usually just don't have that capability uh in a program like you see. And it's there in spades, man. This is going to be a fun spring to watch. And then <laughs> As crazy as it sounds, we're talking about the depth. Usually what we're talking about in the spring is how are they going to replace all these guys they lost, right? 
which we're talking about that at linebacker. Somewhat on the offensive line, even though most of those questions look to be already answered. Um, Josiah, but tight end is very good. And then in June, the number one recruiting class in school history hits town. Shows up, right. <laughs> and you've got four talented guys from that class here. Ethan Wright, John Williams, Peyton Singletary, and Sterling Miles. Sterling Miles made a play today that came off the edge and got to the quarterback that was like, ooh. Um, but th- that's not the meat of the class, bro. <laughs> that's not the meat of the well, class. We know some of those guys are going to get on special teams at the yeah. very least. Maybe. Yeah, because that, maybe now, now you're developing. They've also, like, DeMarco Baker and, and Nate Lawler and uh, Joe Royer. You're developing a, 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 a capo. Yeah, I can't say his him. name. The running back, number 30. Capogorowski. Yeah, him. You're developing a, a a horde, Wyatt Fisher. You're developing a horde of special teamers that look like the scholarship guys used to look. So, it's going to be wild when we get to summer camp. Like, I, <laughs> those guys are going to be stashed away, a lot of them, to the point that you're just randomly going to be like, oh, crap, I forgot. He's really good too, because there's a the spring is usually rough because there's so many unknowns as you wait for that next wave of guys to get here. They're in a position where they don't, they're not in a desperate need for those guys to get here. They're just restocking the cupboard, uh, even though the cupboard is stocked. They're hoarding at this point, Dave. Well, I think that's my thing. they're hoarding talent. They aren't stocking talent, they are hoarding talent. Anything else? I don't think so. Uh it looks like the Big East is the only major conference as of right now that has not said that there will not be fans moving forward. And, I mean, that makes sense. They're on they're in New York. It's a rough scene when your conference cares so little about the well-being of their student athletes and <laughs> fans. There's no, there's no confirmed cases of coronavirus in New York, right? Oh wait, no, it's just like an the, entire city. Yeah, you know that's been put into quarantine. Yeah. Because while while you were talking football, the Pac-12 and SEC have announced that there will not be fans starting tomorrow. And the- By the way, you're you're clearly, if you're listening to this, you're clearly going to be home for the next couple weeks. And that means you got to look at your yard. Yeah, it's warm out. We're getting some rain. Right. It's going to be time to start getting the grass and, and all that stuff in line. Well, what better way to take care of it and take care of your landscaping needs than Leah's Landscaping, owned by our very own Justin Berg. 
He feeds his family with his landscaping business. It's Leah's Landscaping. That's L-I-A-S. And now they have a website, Dave. Leah'sLandscaping.com. L-I-A-S. Landscaping.com. They do everything from mulch to retaining walls. Contact Berg with a private message or at the Leah's Landscaping website. Bearcat fans get preferential treatment. Xavier fans get charged double. Because that's the kind of guy Berg is. And I respect that. We've gone long. I, 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 we've been sidetracked by coronavirus and I talked more football than I probably should have. That's no, that's not a thing. I know. I, I just went long, but I'm sure people are okay with it. We've got lots of content. Our team is crushing it right now. Got a couple uh, unofficial visitors that are in the, the practice report from today that are going to be on campus tomorrow that I think you should keep a very close eye on. Uh, I'll even I'll even release those names on the podcast, Dave. Oh, okay. We don't normally release names on the podcast, but no, two guys don't. from two guys from Dublin, Kaufman, who Cincinnati is very high on, number twenty five and number twenty six in the state of Ohio for the twenty twenty one class: Hammond Russell and Byron Threats, and then two guys from Orville. Never heard of Orville. Uh, one is Markel Parks, who is number 16 in the state of Ohio for 2021, and his teammate, Sharon Phipps. So those guys will be on campus tomorrow for unofficial visits. Um, keep an eye. Mick Mick was gone for a couple days. So he gets back today, I think. Uh, he, sh- he should be back uh, in the mix tomorrow going into the weekend. I think he might be covering practice for me on Friday since I've got a million things going on. Do we need to um, preheat the oven? No, I don't know that we're at cookie level yet. I'm not sure, but I, I know these are guys they definitely like and are looking to make a big impression on tomorrow uh, when they're on campus. So we'll see how that goes. But other than that, that's a wrap on the coronavirus edition so should that be the title? COVID nineteen. <laughs> what about like uh, wash your hands? <laughs> yeah, the wash your hands edition of the BCJ podcast. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.